Hey guys, welcome to episode 76 of The Green Life. Today I have the pleasure of speaking to Eva Loves Raw. And I'm so excited about this call because she really is a trooper. She went through so much in her journey and also is very open-minded and keeps on transforming herself to make sure that she serves her body and her community in the best way possible. That kind of open-mindedness means that we can evolve, grow, and also not become dogmatic about the information that we have and acknowledging that there is always something to learn, not just about the food that we eat, but actually our bodies, the unique bodies we live in. Eva has been through a health journey of her own where in her 40s she was told that the best way to manage her hormonal issues was to have a hysterectomy. That's a very extreme approach by allopathic medicine, if I may say so, and she decided that she was gonna take control of her health and went on a raw food diet. And the rest is history and she's gonna share it with us in this episode. But before we dive in, I just wanna give a big shout out to Nama Well for the J2 juicer. You guys know I love my juicer. This juicer is fantastic. I juice in bulk when I don't have time and the juices stay so fresh. And I really want to make sure that if you are on the market for a new one, you can get a discount code. So it's a gift to you. I don't make money out of this. So if you go in the show notes, I have a discount code for you. Enjoy. I am, however, an affiliate of Dr. Moore's uh, Herbs, and so if you want to purchase any herbs to support your system, the different organs in your system, or want to talk to me about cleansing and understanding which herbs to use in tandem, then I have an affiliate account. That means I make some money for it, but I do have a discount code that you can use on your first purchase in um, the show notes as well, so that you can thrive using these beautiful herbs and I'm not recommending just because I'm an affiliate I actually use them myself as you saw on the social media and I really find them extremely powerful I'm extremely impressed and very happy with them okay guys without further ado let's dive into this conversation with our beautiful guest Eva hi Eva thank you for joining me on the green life today how are you I'm very good how are you doing thank you for having me my pleasure I am so excited to talk to you because uh, I actually realized that I found you a couple of months ago when I was looking for a recipe for crackers and you have the best recipe like ever. So Mm. (laughs) I didn't really know your channel and I looked at the recipe, I made it. And then um, a couple of uh, weeks ago, our common friend Shari put us in touch about interviewing you. I've been going through your whole channel since and I am so like blown away by your amazing journey and I would love for you to introduce yourself to my audience and share what you've been through how you became raw and I saw some videos lately of the transition you're making to tweak um, your diet to accommodate your menopause so I'd love to hear all about that yeah yeah so um, let me begin by saying uh, raw foods changed my life changed the trajectory of my my life, my health, my well-being. I'm a completely different person than I was when I started seven years ago. But having said that, it's not my religion. I I have a life. This is not what I obsess over. I'm open to changes and adjustments. And I don't believe it's necessarily for everyone. And so I just want to make that clear that I am a firm believer in the healing properties of raw foods. It's what you eat and what you don't eat as well. That's why a lot of diets work is because they all leave out that common denominator, which is the junk food, the processed food, the gluten, the, the whatever. 
And so, yeah, that's that's important to point out because I know a lot of people in our community are borderline obsessive. Um, they are border. A lot of them have eating disorders. And so I, I am not in that camp. I am in the camp of middle ground, common sense and um, uh, knowing that this is a joyful journey. But when you start being afraid of food or you, when you start being uh, obsessed with it and uh, feeling really bad or guilty if you go off plan, then I think that's also a danger that's not necessarily health promoting. Mm. So my journey began, you know, when I was a little girl growing up in Spain, eating a lot of meat, a lot of dairy, a lot of processed sugar. We were big on all the cakes and the pastries and all of that. And I was I constipated as a child. I was very, very skinny. I had no muscle mass in spite of my father feeding me liver because I was anemic. And I, they, you know, they pushed the meat on me. And um, I was always an animal lover because in Spain we have bullfights. And I was absolutely repelled and disgusted by that. I always cried when I saw that. And I always knew deep down that eating animals just did not align who, with who I wanted to be or who I was. And so as soon as I moved to the United States, I obviously embraced the the American way of eating, which was so exciting to me. This was the mid 80s. I was just blown away by the abundance of junk food everywhere. And it was amazing. I, I still continue to eat meat and dairy. Um, I then went into my 30s. I became a little bit more health conscious. I started learning about organic food versus conventional. And I started like buying organic meat and organic dairy still not putting two and two together that that those were sources of things that were not obviously agreeing with my body. I still continue to be constipated and I continue to suffer from low energy. By the time I hit my mid forties though, that's when things really started to take a turn for the worst. Like all the symptoms that I've been having for all those years really started manifesting themselves with a complete lack of energy. I was always fatigued. I, I, um, I, I really relied on coffee to get me through the day. I was just, I had body odor. I had really bad breath. I was still constipated. I was just hormonally, I was a mess. All of a sudden I had periods that would last for three weeks that would not end. I was told I needed a hysterectomy and I just, thought, what's going on? I'm only 45. I was 44 at the time. There's got to be a solution to this. The doctors did not give me any solution other than let's give you a hysterectomy, uh, take B12 shots. Uh, it, there was not, never a cure in terms of where, why is this happening? So I just, I was so lucky at the time I lived in Florida and the Hippocrates Health Institute was very close to my house. And I had heard from someone that they had healed something or other. And I was just like really intrigued by it. So I went there and I did the life transformation program, which was three weeks. I was completely enamored with the place. I thought it was amazing. I could not believe the miracles that I was, I was witnessing around me, people healing. Like, honestly, I was like, people walked in on a wheelchair and they walked out. I was just like, this is, what is this place? So then I wanted to learn all about it. So I enrolled in the health educator program, which, um, you know, certified me as a coach. And, you know, to teach the lifestyle, I don't think that, you know, there's a lot to know. And, and then that was just it, that that was the, the, my new beginning. I 
I adopted the lifestyle. And then subsequently, you, you know, after I left Hippocrates, I sort of like uh, adjusted it to my needs and wants. And I don't exactly follow their protocol because they're like no fruit. So I do eat fruit. Um, but everything else, yeah, I just, I adore Hippocrates and I learned a lot from them. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, first of all, when you said you only started 45, seven years ago, that's 52. You do not look 52. I would wow. have said older than 40. So, oh, wow. Thank and only you. because I know you have, ch you have children. So, you know, you look amazing. Um, so I'm really happy that you you've transformed your health and you didn't listen to your surgeon and just remove the body part because I think that's something that unfortunately commonly help, commonly help happens in in the health allopathic health and oh allopathic medicine I should say um yeah. and it misses out on actually making people healthy so well done and so when you started when you went to Hippocrates you obviously felt the changes straight away and how did you then you know, move on from their no fruit protocols, from perhaps some of the guidelines that they suggest to something a little bit more liberal. So yeah, I kind of felt that um, I didn't feel I thought that, you know, when you are in dire straits, like when people go to Hippocrates, a lot of them are like, they've been they've been told to go home and get your affairs in order. Like a lot of people are literally uh, facing death imminent death. So I understand that their protocol is very, very strict and very focused on nutrition. And they're focused on sprouts, on living foods, on uh, superfoods. They are just, you know, they have a plan. And hold on, there we go. And so I understand that they're just very, very strict. The, the, my view is that theirs is kind of like what hospital food should be. And so they eliminate any potential issues and fruit they believe to be one of them because there's some studies that suggest, according to Brian, they point directly to the fact that, you know, cancer is fed by sugar, which I'm not going to get into because I, it, that doesn't align with me. I know that some people heal on all fruit and some people heal on the Hippocrates diet. So I don't think that's the answer there. I know Dr. Morse has had a tremendous success with this protocol and so that that part i sort of leave for like the person how however they feel that's going to serve them best um so i i don't believe that per se and i those studies were done on sugar from apple juice without the fiber which i think is different and this is one of the reasons I don't drink fruit juice per se. I'm not a big fruit juice drinker. I cut it with water or greens. I don't believe in having big, huge jugs of orange juice or cantaloupe juice or watermelon juice, delicious as it might be. At my age, I have to be careful with insulin resistance and I have to be careful with, you know, just a few things. I don't believe that taking the fiber out of the fruit is necessarily what nature intended. The same can be said for smoothies. Is that what nature intended? Blending a bunch of food together. Okay, well, that's open to interpretation. I think it's a modern day convenience that we can actually blend food. So I don't necessarily, you know, we have tools nowadays. We have dehydrators. We have we have knives. We have, I don't know. We have, you know, all of the tools that we use, a food processor. So I'm not going to split down the hairs, but I do believe that removing the fiber from a fruit, I don't think that that was what nature intended. 
I do believe that green juices are very beneficial because we have been extracting, uh, we have been doing poultices for many, many, uh, many, many, many years where we, you know, take the juice from the grass and we squeeze it and we use it for. So again, I don't want to split hairs, but th that's, that's just my belief and everybody's different and everybody has different beliefs. Um, so when I left Hippocrates, I... I, I, I studied some more and I read Dr. Morse and I consult Dr. Vichy. I was constantly calling Dr. Vichy and I was, uh, I went to the health conferences with Dr. Cousins and I, I continued learning. So the consensus is not completely unified across the board. So I just kind of thought, you know what, let me just take a middle of the road approach. Let me just not be one side over here or one side over there. Let me just kind of craft my own plan that sort of meet somewhere in the middle some fruits some sprouts some vegetables some nuts some seeds a, a little bit of everything like there is abundance in the lifestyle i don't believe in cutting out a fruit group and i don't believe in on uh, romanticizing a food group either like fruit 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 okay that's very good and well wait till you get a little older and see what happens with all that fruit like you need to balance that with other things too but again everybody has to find their way so some men do very well on all fruit. A lot of females after the age of 45, 46, 50, they don't. They start they start putting on a little bit of weight around the middle. Yeah. And I believe that cutting back on the fruit and upping your greens and protein, plant protein, might benefit some of us. And so I think it's important to remain open and flexible and adjusting the journey as you see fit. And not believing you have all the answers, because when you believe you have all the answers, then you stop learning. Like as soon as you think I have it all figured out, that's when the learning stops. And I'm just not not agreeing with that. So, yeah, I hope yeah. that answered your question. I don't know. I always go on it, tangents. No, it's brilliant. <laughs> it's brilliant. No, you did. And I think, um, you know, I, I completely relate and completely agree with that because I did. Uh, when I do cleanses, I and I follow Dr. Morse and I do his herbs, I've done on fruit and it's fine. For a short while it works. But then I actually notice that if I eat too much fruit, I have a I have a level. If I go over the level, I start putting on weight on my belly. And so and I'm also in my forties. So I'm like, okay, well, clearly my body doesn't like that. But then I when I add salads and I'm mostly having greens and my green juices, which they have no fruit, I actually do well with it. So like you i'm like i need to find that and one thing that i've noticed i mean i love raw food and i got into it not long ago i um you know i, I explored it since maybe 2010 i started hearing about it then uh, in london we had an amazing um raw food restaurant right around the corner nama and it was amazing so we had a lot of raw food because it was just gourmet and beautiful but i never got i, ne I never was a raw foodist and um, I, I kind of went raw because of health reversing disease a couple of years ago, but I've noticed that although I, most of my diet is raw and some days are hundred percent raw, I seem, still sometimes crave things like, you know, a little bit of tofu or I crave some chickpeas or lentils. And I'm like, okay, if I'm craving it, I'm going to have it because the last thing, as you said, the thing I want to do is become dogmatic. And then also I had eating disorders when I was younger and it took me a very long time to heal from that and i don't really want to go back into it because i can easily obsess so i i absolutely relate to you and being flexible 
with the approach so that um, it works. I notice how my body reacts and then I make it work. And I can always suggest to people, I'm, I, I'm a nutritionist, so I work with my clients trying to really find what works for them all on a plant, whole food plant-based diet. If they want to add animal products, I, you know, I will give them the educational parts about the difference between CAFO and organic and free range with the reality, with the expectation that it's not very easy to actually find these things mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. But I, I always emphasize the plants and, uh, and I think everybody reacts very differently. Like to one thing could just, really work for somebody and then not work at all for another person so i think it's good that we have that approach that is more flexible and um and it takes me actually to your last video that you did about the fact that you noticed some changes and you started implementing some different tweaks in your dinners can you take me through that uh yeah so i totally agree with you i think that staying flexible and open is so important because um you know, you, you don't always stay the same and your needs change. But having said that, I do believe that a raw food diet is the most healing diet there is. 100% raw for a time period is going to be healing like nothing else. Mm-hmm. And so I want to specify that there's a time and a place for everything. I did 100% raw for six years. I had a lot to do and I had to I just, my my journey really took that. I had to be 100% raw for a number of years. I don't think six years is completely, you know, 100% necessary. But for me, it was just where my journey was and and how it worked out. But I do recommend my clients do at least one year, one year where they're focused on their health, when they reset their palate, where they clean, when they detox, when they do all the things. And I do believe that there's also a time for having more fruit if you are doing Dr. Morse. But he even says, this is for a period of time. This is not forever. This is not what the plan you want to do for the rest of your life. You're going to, this is not considered a good idea to do in the long term. So there is a time and a place. And so, but once you get, you know, you get your healing in order and you get, then it's time to start thinking of your forever lifestyle, which is where I am. It, okay. What's going to be my sustainable, joyful way of eating from here on end that I'm going to maintain the results I got for having done all that work. And then you you have to you have to take into consideration many things. And so recently, since I become 50, when I turned about 51, I noticed that I was putting a little bit of weight and nothing terrible, but I'm lean. So I'm like, why am I putting on weight around the middle? So I looked into it and there's a thing that happens called insulin resistance. You know, when you're a little bit older, insulin is a hormone that basically opens up the cells um, to allow the sugar in the bloodstream to get in the cells. So the glucose to get in the cells. Unfortunately, after menopause, your body gets estrogen from those fat cells. So your body has the tendency to accumulate fat around the middle so that you that's a source of estrogen. So that's one thing that happens. And then the other thing is that um, after menopause, you do have um, you do have a tendency to put on that weight around the middle and you do have a, a more of a need of a little bit higher diet uh, in protein, a little bit more protein in your diet to feed those muscles. If you look at long-term raw vegans that are females that are over the age of 50, a lot of them suffer from what I call, I don't know the word in English, but I think it's called racketism is where you have zero muscle and your arms are like this Mm. throughout and they have no muscle. And I believe the reason for that is not only 
And if some of them are exercising, so I believe is that they're lacking protein. So after a certain age, I believe you need to have a little bit more protein. And so that's what I've done. I have, uh, I still eat a lot of fruit. My diet is still 99. Some day, yesterday was 100% raw. Like I don't even, I don't even think about it, but it was hot and I just had a big salad for dinner. But a lot of the times now for dinner, my breakfast is the same and my lunch is the same. But now for dinner, sometimes I'm adding some protein sources like beans or quinoa or sometimes I even have a sweet baked potato um, because I think know that you can't get sufficient protein from an all raw diet. You can, but you have to be very deliberate about it after a certain age. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not that deliberate. I'm like, ah, just throw some chickpeas instead of growing all the sprouts. I used to have racks and racks of sprouts. I used to do living spirulina. I used to do E3 Live. I used to do chlorella. I used to, and it just, it's a lot of effort to be honest with you. Like I'm running a business. I don't have time sometimes. And it's just so easy to just, I have some, my Instapot, I make some cooked food, some beans, some chickpeas, and I just throw that in my salad. And so that's a great source of protein. And it allows me to eat a little tiny bit less fruit because the calorie deficit I make up with the, the, the cooked food. So again, you just have to find what works for you. Like uh, for, for six years, I didn't need it. And now I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm changing a little bit. So that's what I'm doing. I'm not saying it's, it's for everyone to do. I'm just saying if you're over the age of, if you're in your late 40s, then, and you happen to have put on some weight, then think about what I'm saying and maybe try it. See, yeah. see if that works. Yeah, trial and error. I mean, you have nothing to lose. If something is not working and you do something else and also it's not working, find try until you find something that works. And, you know, if you stay in the same place, it's the same result anyway. Mm-hmm. So brilliant. Um, now, I know that you had a very fascinating story. Like you you guys, uh, you and your husband and your child, uh, children, um, you sold your house, then went and toured the country in a in a camper van, um, and now you're back in California, correct? Yeah. So, what prompted you to just sell everything and go on the road? So that's interesting. No one ever asked me about that, but I, that was prompted by my raw food lifestyle. Believe it or not. When I went raw, my mindset changed. I became a minimalist. I started shedding things that no longer served me. It was just not just the food I was shedding. I was just all of a sudden I became, I became just so much freer, so much ready to take risks, so much ready to live life to the fullest. And my husband and I had always wanted to travel, which we had done when we were young before we had kids. We traveled for five years and we went everywhere. And when we had kids, we were kind of like settle down you know in the house and my girls were homeschooled so we still had a lot of flexibility we still traveled with them a lot we we did a lot of great trips but our priority was uh my husband had had a, a good business for a number of years but he was burned out and I'm like the kids are getting older and I, it was the, the raw food. It, it just, I don't know if it gave me wings or what, but I just, we decided let's sell the house, let's sell the cars, let's sell all the furniture, let's sell all our possessions. And we bought this big old RV that it was very big. <laughs> so it wasn't like we were in a little van. We, it was a big RV and we decided we're going to travel. We didn't know how long for. And we don't know where we're going to live. We're just, we knew we wanted to live South Florida because South Florida was getting really crowded, really, really hot. I was just like over the heat, always 
I felt like I lived inside the house with the AC on 24 seven. Like you couldn't even turn it off at night. You couldn't open the windows. It was just like, I was over the intense heat of South Florida. So I knew we wanted to leave South Florida, but we didn't know where we wanted to end up. So we sold everything. We got the kids in the RV. Since we were homeschooling, we continued. We we did road schooling, which is we would learn about the places that we would go. And we just we just took off. We didn't know where we were going and we started traveling. And um, And then eventually we came to California and I had lived here many years prior in the 90s. And I always remembered fondly, California has changed a lot. It's not the same place anymore, sadly. But I just felt like at home. California reminds me of Spain a lot. The scenery reminds me of Spain. The mountains, just everything just reminds me so much of Spain. So I was like, oh, I think we found a good place. And so we settled here. <laughs> Amazing. And tell yeah. me, how how was it for you? Well, first of all, you're the only raw You were the only raw person in your family, right? Your kids and your husband, did they eat a vegan cooked diet or omnivore diet? Omnivore. Uh, at home, I don't cook meat and I don't buy dairy, but it's cheese sometimes. My girls will say, I want cheese. I want this. Okay, so I'll buy some cheese once in a while. Much to my chagrin because I, I, don't, like, I don't like to support that industry. But again, I have to respect the individual Um, I was a very strict mother when they were growing up and I made that mistake and I, and I have a video about it. People can see it. It's, it, it's a big, long story, but basically I was very strict with their food and it backfired when they became teenagers, they went out and now they eat anything and everything. They're both eating meat. They're both eating uh, dairy. They're both going to all the junk food restaurants that I never took them to. And so it's bit me in the ass. I don't know. I, I just, I'm just saying maybe if I had been a little bit more flexible with them and had allowed them to go to McDonald's, they might have not. But the fact that I never let them go anywhere, I was the p parent that would, um, you know, our birthday parties had like no chemicals, no, the cake was like very low sugar. Like it was just, I don't know if I made a mistake, you know, so So my kids, um, sorry, what was the question? I told oh, my uh, yeah, they're eating. Oh yeah, what are they products. Eating? So now they eat anything and everything. But growing up, I I did um, I no meat in the house and still no meat in the house. If they eat meat, it's out. But they yeah they they cooked uh, mostly vegan food at home that I make. My husband is plant based. He eats meat sometimes, but at home I just make plant based food for them. And during the RV time, I cooked for them. And throughout my whole career as a raw vegan, I cook for them and I eat my, I'm the only raw food person in my house, yes. Okay, and how did you find finding the right produce and making sure that you could have what you needed uh, as a raw vegan on the road? Because I, I believe you can get so many more products to actually cook with uh, anywhere, pretty much. But when it comes to raw food, because we're looking for, you know, certain like amounts of greens and fruit and making sure you had enough abundance so you can get your calories how did you navigate that did you look out for farmers markets did you know exactly what you were going to stock up how did you navigate yeah. that i i honestly the, my mindset was a robbing and mindset i didn't think anything was uh difficult because i'm if you expect difficulties you'll encounter difficulties so my mindset was like it's gonna be fine so i bought i had a little fridge in my rv And I had a little, a huge cooler actually under the table. And um, what I would do is I, whatever, we never knew where we were going. We traveled for a year. 
So sometimes the only thing in town was a Walmart. Okay, so guess what? That's what it is. Yeah. But in a lot of the towns, there were farmers markets. So I would make it a point to go to the farmers market or I go, I look at, uh, there's an app called Happy Cow. And I would look at all the health food stores and I would try to go. And I only bought really food for three, four days because there's no room in the RV. And besides, I like it fresh anyway. So we had some frozen fruit just in case. I brought my Vitamix. I brought, um, I bought the dehydrator, but I never used it because it took up too much space. It was underneath in the in the trunk area. And I brought a food processor, which I hardly ever used. Really, the only thing I used was my knife and my cutting board. That was it. And then I, uh, yeah, I just stopped and I got the food. I did, Honestly, it, it's not difficult. What people have to realize is that you just have to do it. And then when you do it, you realize what is all the things I was worried about. It's no big deal. You go to the store and you get food. Every store has a supermarket. I mean, every town, every town has somewhere you can buy food. And yeah, I was in Nebraska and there was not a lot of great produce there sometimes, especially there, you're there in the winter, which I was not, I was there in the summer. So yeah, you're going to run into lower quality, but the next town you get better quality. I mean, it's, it's no big deal. <laughs> yeah. Again, flexibility, right? I think that's, um... yeah. you do your best. Yeah. I mean, what you did there, I think it really builds character and really is a testament that you shouldn't be attached to anything. I mean, you did mention you started feeling when you went raw that you were much more freer, that you that you didn't that you didn't have attachment to things anymore. And it gave you the courage to actually detach from your home, which I think is a very um, it's something quite big, you know, for your heart, like that's your house. And then you have to let it go. But um, or you wanted to let it go, I should say, not have to. But um how, what else did you find was changing in you? Because a lot of the raw foodists actually always report this uh, spiritual uplift that comes with the food. Like there is a veil before, maybe it's because we're just so engulfed in society doing like everything that everybody does. And then we go raw and there is, there's a shift. Like you actually even spiritually feel different. Um, different. Did you feel that when you went raw? I mean, yeah, when you go raw, everything changes, but then that becomes your new normal and that becomes normal to you. So you'd sort of lose sight of what it was that you went through when you first change the first couple of the first two, three, four years are very tumultuous and that you are becoming a new person. You are shedding your old skin. You are healing from the inside out. You have boundless energy. You do feel amazing. And all of that obviously translates into just an overall wellness sense, which can be more, um, you know, can, it could be that it makes you maybe be more grateful. And since you're more grateful, you become more spiritual. And then maybe, you know, it, it, you just never know where it's going to take you. But um, yeah, definitely. For, but then it becomes your normal. You're, you, so I don't think about how, where I am today with that, because it's just, it's just normal for me. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. It's just, it's like, I don't think about it that much. Um, but yeah, I did become more spiritual because I became more grateful and I became grateful for my health. I became grateful for nature. I became grateful for the sun. I became grateful for the grass on the ground. Like you just little things that became grateful for fruits and different fruits that I was trying. And for being satiated with a salad. I became grateful for that because I just thought 
I always had to have, you know, a lot of uh, sugar. I was uh, addicted to sugar and I just, I just, so it all makes you a very grateful person, which again, could, could lead to a more spiritual life for sure. How can it not? If you're more grateful, that's just the door to spirituality, I think. Yeah, so. absolutely. And you mentioned, um, you obviously have a family that supports you, even though they don't share your uh, your lifestyle fully. But what about your family in Spain? Because obviously Spain is a very big meeting, meat-eating country, and just like where I am in Portugal. Um, here, I think, even when I have conversations with locals, they really can't wrap their head around not having animal products. And, yeah. um, and they'd rather not have the conversation, quite honestly. But how do you how do you deal with your family here in Europe? So my family, I mean, I'm 52. So there is a mutual respect there. They, they at first they were like, Oh, my God, I can't believe you're eating this way. But my dad is a very science based kind of guy. He's very analytical. And I just gave him the China study to read. I'm like, look, dad, you know, like, I'm not making this up. Like there, there is actual some science behind all of the what I'm doing so he read that book and he totally backed off me he's like okay so yeah I can see that there is no need so he changed his lifestyle too a little bit he started eating a lot less meat and he doesn't buy dairy anymore which is something he used to push on us to you need to eat milk drink milk to grow and now he even said to me I regret giving you all that milk my gosh it's you know, I'm sorry that I did that. I, I said, dad, you didn't know better. When you know better, you do better. So I totally get that. So he changed a little bit too. And he's, um, you know, he's off my bag, but raw veganism, that's a whole other category. Yeah. So I just don't really discuss it that much. Like I'll say, what are you having for lunch? I just want a big salad Dad. you know me just my big salad. Okay. You know, uh, do you want this? No, thanks. You know, so the, the I just don't call it raw veganism. They that that's as a label. That's kind of silly. Why do we call fruits and vegetables raw vegan? It's just ridiculous. So I don't call it anything. It's just like, what do you want for lunch? A salad. What do you want for breakfast? I'll have some fruit, Dad, and I'll have some juice. Okay, great. What do you want for snack? I'll just take some fruit to the beach. You know. So I just don't give you that label. Once you don't label yourself and make and separate yourself, put up a wall. This is you know, my label, then it becomes a lot easier and people are not so much on your backs, you know, because they don't understand it. And I don't blame them. I didn't understand it either. Like if I had met me a few years ago, I think this person is crazy. And <laughs> I respect that. So why am I expecting them to all, all of a sudden get it when I didn't get it? It took me a long time to get it. And it's my journey. Everybody has their journey. So who am I to say what anyone else should be doing? What I will say is I, I would love for people to respect animals a little bit more. And I don't, obviously, I would love to see people turning to, to a more vegan way of living because it's just better for everyone involved. But that's just something that everybody has to sort of come to in their own time. And look at my own children. They live with a vegan freak, you know, mother and they're both eating meat. So I can't force other people to do something they don't want to do. The only way I, the only thing I have control over is what I'm doing. And if you're inspired by it or motivated or you learn something great, but I can't make anything, anyone do something they don't want to do. So I'm just going to 
back off people the same way I expect people to back off me and respect everyone. And um, hopefully, hopefully more people will turn to this way of living. But it's it's not an easy path either because it's not mainstream. It's not readily available. You have to be a freaking detective. You have to be a skeptic. You have to um, you have to question everything. You have to go deeper, and that's not necessarily something that's a comfortable process either. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So and uh, no, I completely agree with you. And I was wondering when your your children obviously became a little more independent and started eating. Uh, animal products what how did you have that conversation with them what was your reaction so i'm sure a lot of parents that are in your shoes if they are vegan or raw vegan or have an alternative lifestyle that doesn't necessarily follow mainstream and their kids decide at some point that they don't want to be like that and for a while maybe forever they don't they just you know they rebel in their teenage years what 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 is the best advice you can give upon your experience with them well, the mistake I have made was not only was I too, too, too strict, like overly so. I mean, to the, you know, like if someone gave them candy, no, you can't have it, you know, I just, which again, at the time I was doing the best I knew how to. I, I don't blame myself. I don't feel guilty about it. I just, I've always tried to do my best. Yeah. If it was a mistake, it was a mistake, but I came from a place of love and I came from a place of, I want to protect my children. So, so the advice I would have is, it's just a tough one, <laughs> but the way I, now that my kids are teenagers, I have said to them, you guys know what that is. You know what you're eating. You're just going to have to do what you think you should do. I, I, I have to leave it alone. They're educated enough. I cannot shame them into you know, I cannot explain it to them anymore. They had all the books growing up. They had all the vegan propaganda, if you will, you know, like they had me. So they know everything. I, I just have to let it go. And this is a great exercise in letting go, <laughs> like yeah. let it go. And, yeah. and, and, and that's all you can do. Let it go. And when they are ready, if, and when they're ready, then they'll come back. But if they don't, I also have to accept that. I have to accept that they're their own people and that I can't force it upon them. At the beginning, I was so pissed off. I'm like, like I cannot believe you're eating that. Like, you know, that's a that's a factory farm animal. You know that that is pumped with all the crap that they pump into the animals. You know, those animals have their race and you're still eating it. Like, I don't get it, but I have to let it go. I just can't, can't force it into their brains if you know they're gonna have to make those choices for themselves yeah how old are they so another 15 and 17 okay okay i mean it's quite possible there is a phase i don't know if they they do like animals they love animals if you have pets um they do love animals but you know there are some people are lacking they're lacking um I don't know if it's a sensitivity or a certain compassion. Like some people, they'll say, yeah, I love animals, but I still want to eat them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it's just, it is what it is. You know, you can't, not everybody can be like we are or like how some people think everybody has to, and they're missing that sensitivity, if you will, where they, they understand that they're suffering, they understand, but they still want to eat it. Yeah. So 
just you know yeah of course they love animals they we have dogs we have cats we we've had chickens in the house before um pet chickens <laughs> um so yeah they know all about it uh, but yeah i hear you and um tell me a little bit about your youtube channel when did it come to fruition what was the inspiration for it and what what is really your uh, your intention going forward with it so when I created, okay, so I first started my YouTube channel like years ago, like uh, when I first started learning about raw veganism, when I first went into it, because I was like thinking, oh, doesn't people like people need to know about this. This is crazy. Like how I wanted to shout it from the rooftops, like there's a solution. There's a way out of bad hell. There's like, you don't have to cut out body parts. Like, oh my God, I just learned, I just hit the lottery. You guys have to know about this. But I was, you know, so I wanted to to share that, but I wasn't very consistent. And then we went traveling and I made a few videos, but I really started like more like three years ago. Prior to that, it was like here and there, but really started sharing consistently three years ago because I thought it was important to to show a, a, my journey in a non-glossy, non-perfect kind of way. Like this is, this is the real, this is what's really happening. I, I'm not like posing perfectly with everything figured out uh it's not like that i wanted to show it more like you know what i'm doing what's happening how am i how i am changing or whatever so the intention behind it is definitely sharing the the my true journey not bullshitting people saying i'm not i'm 100 raw but i'm not or um you know whatever it is it, like i think we need to we need to be real with it because we might be giving a message of something that we're pretending that we're doing and then it's hurting people, you know? So it's important to really share what works for, for ourselves. And so, but I realized that, you know, YouTube is a one-way conversation, like I'm talking, but I'm not getting any feedback. So I started my community, which has been like, really the highlight the last year I started in January and it's growing and I don't want it to get too big because I like I have I have a relationship with everyone in my community I think that's so important and I just kind of want to be for them what I wish I had had without having to pay exorbitant amount of money because I was always consulting with Dr. Fred and I went to Hippocrates and so I want people to like okay you can ask me you can you can get it from me I will I will guide you I will help you so I started my community and I'm still doing my YouTube, but, you know, I get some hate sometimes when I say that maybe consider eating less fruit. Oh my God, people go crazy. Maybe consider adding more protein. Oh my God, people go crazy. So it's kind of like, I don't know, our community is very close-minded and just like every other community, you know, for the carnivores mm -hmm. or this or that, we're the same. We're like, no, no, I blah, blah, blah. I don't want to hear that. So... Mm -hmm. I just share the way it is. I don't sugarcoat anything. I'm telling it without bullshitting anyone. And in my community, I'm the same way. The people that I'm coaching, which is like group coaching, I don't give blanket advice. I don't say, do a juice fast. Everybody do a juice fast. Or everybody do this 100%. No, I like I take one person at a time and we talk about it and we find, you know, what works for each individual. We're all different. Yeah. So. And where, where is where do you host your uh, your group coaching? So my group coaching, we meet once a week, like we meet today at five. It's okay. on Zoom. 
And uh, we have special, like today, we have a special uh, speaker. Sometimes I invite people to come. And today we have a lady that's going to be talking about uh, herbal teas and blends and medicinal purposes of each and things like this. Sometimes we just have Q&A where we're, I'm just like answering questions that people have. And you learn a lot by also hearing other people's questions and answers. So that's mm -hmm. that's always very popular. And then we have, I do exclusive content for the people in my community. Like I had a really long chat about CMOS and the differences and like don't get scammed. Some CMOS, not all CMOS is created equal. So I have that. And it's just, it's more than just a community. It's more of, um, yeah, group coaching basically. Yeah. So that's, that's what drives me. That's what excites me because I want to share what I've learned. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I can relate to that. And um, in terms of dealing with these negative comments, um, sometimes I feel like we can be, we can be quite, you know, we can have the intention to be strong and let our skin be like feathers, uh, like duck feathers and the water just goes over it and we don't get affected. But sometimes you feel like those are the people that are supposed to be encouraging me and supporting me and they are actually being quite aggressive how do you deal when you see those comments coming, especially if it's someone that you have spoken to before and you had a relationship with online? How do you manage that um, the, the feelings that arise when somebody maybe goes a little bit over over aggressively with you because they don't agree with you? Yeah, and that's a tough one because we are human and we are we have feelings too, and our feelings get hurt just like everyone else's. And I know people say, "Oh, just toughen up," but you know it is hard because. Oops, sorry. It is tough because it hurts your feelings simply, you know, it just, oh my gosh, people can be so mean. So I just block their ass. I'm like, you're blocked <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, I, I don't, I have time for a uh, discussion, but I don't have time for meanness. Like if mm. you're being mean, you're not even welcome to this conversation. Like we can agree to disagree, but if you're being mean, you're out of here. Yeah. So unfortunately, a lot of people hide behind their keyboards and they are they feel compelled to write whatever they want, which happens sometimes people have been mean to me. But I also think, you know, when I times that I have been mean, which I also I have done it, it's because it's not about that. It's, it's a, something else that's going on and you're you are manifesting it by being mean. But it's not about what that person said. It's something else that you're dealing with. So I get that. Like when people are being mean, I just think, I wonder what they're going through. They're probably having a really hard time and they're just frustrated that they haven't been able to find their way. And they're frustrated at me because I have. And so I get that. So I just try to just have a little compassion. But ultimately, I just block them. <laughs> That's the way well, I do yeah, it. Especially if they continue, right? You can give it. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm sorry. You know, no, I don't have time for that. So. Yeah. Yeah. You said something very smart and real people hide behind the keyboard because in a social setting where you are face to face people don't naturally say mean things to that extent they will have a conversation about it they might disagree yeah. but have a conversation and now online has become a i'm gonna say whatever you whatever i want i don't really care for your feelings and i feel powerful because i'm hiding behind this um and i wonder if um the beauty of having a coaching set up is that everybody is actually on camera is together in a group and even though they 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 have found maybe information that contradicts what you say sometimes they are able to talk about it and have a conversation which then becomes a teaching moment right mm -hmm. and uh, and allows you and them to learn from a different opinion 
And I wish we were more like that because yeah, it's true that it's very polarized sometimes and it's exhausting. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So you you moved back to or you moved to 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 California three years ago. That's where you actually sold the RV and bought a house again, correct? Yes. And that was obviously adjointed with uh, what's what was happening with the with the pandemic. How did you navigate that period? Well. Let me tell you something. California, they did not handle it very well at all. Everything went into shutdown mode. We were lucky that we lived by some hills that we were able to go walking and, you know, get out of the house. But, yeah, it wasn't handled very well in this state. They went into totalitarian mode where it was just over the top. Schools were shut because my kids, when we moved here, they wanted to try high school. So I chose a good, great place with great schools because I wanted them to go to experience high school. High school in America is amazing. It's like the movies. Yeah. So I'm like, guys, you know, we're going to find a great one. So we live in a great community, great schools, amazing. It's very surfy where I live. It's like a big surfing town. It's just like picture perfect. But it was really tough during the pandemics. So at first, like everyone else, I got caught in the hysteria. And I would do what I was told, but eventually I was like, something's not right here. Like, this is not right. And I don't mean to get political. You can Mm -hmm. be on whatever side of the political side you are. It's not about politics. It's about common sense. Mm -hmm. Like, how can it be right to close parks for kids to play? How can it be right to close the gyms or to close the small businesses? Like, I don't get that. So it was very hard for me. I got very frustrated and I just, I just thought, my gosh, have we made a mistake? Maybe we need to get out of here. This this, they've gone total crazy here. But eventually, like always, the truth always comes out. The truth always surfaces. You can't, you can't hide it. You can't push it down. It'll, it'll, it'll come to light. So eventually, you know, things eased up and, um, you know, we'll see what happens now. But yeah, it was really tough. It was really tough to be so isolated. We were new in town. We didn't know anyone. So then the pandemic then hits and then what are we going to do? We, you know, it was socially was very, very tough, but we made some friends eventually and and now, and now it's all good, but yeah, it was tough. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, It is a subject that can be quite touchy for a lot of people and, um, I I must say, living in Portugal, in a way we were lucky. They handled it pretty well because, and I think it's because Portugal is a country where most people really are below poverty, like below just middle line. Poverty here is a thing because the you know just the income, the the, the maximum income or the minimum wage here is insane. It's very low. You go over the border to Spain, it's a different story. Um, and I saw the difference, actually, how Spain handled it a little bit more strict, a little bit more regime like Portugal was very, very flexible in comparison. So we were lucky that we were here. Um, but it's interesting because it brings up a lot of social issues that are there, but people don't talk about. And I think in the States it's the same because people think U.S. as a whole, but actually every state is very different. And um, and in the States it's the same. You have places where some things just brew and then something happens like a like a pandemic and you have things rising to the surface. Um, and it's it, it was very interesting. And I, I was wondering the other day if we have learned the lesson 
And if they try and do it again, if we actually stand up in a different way, I've been learned from last time that, yes, some people really did suffer and some people really were affected by it. But the message of health wasn't pushed. There was no, uh, you know, you have to look after yourself. You have, this is what you do to boost your immune system. There was none of that coming from the leader leaders. It was more like fear, 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 lockdown, stay apart, uh, take the shot. And it's like... Um, health <laughs> very simple word so it, it's interesting and um thank you for sharing your experience to transition into that because i can I, I can i can imagine being quite hard being in a new place and this happens um you you must be very close to dr Furman. yeah he i've run into him at the farmer's market before yeah yeah he lives out he lives a little bit more inland but yeah I, there's a farmer's market called poway and i've run into him before with this big German shepherds that he walks. Yeah. yeah, he's amazing. He's so much fun. Um, yeah, I thought when you told me that you were in a beach a surfing town and close to San Diego, I thought that's probably where he is. I interviewed him and he is great. Um, Eva, what is the plan for your, well, I know you want to carry on doing the coaching. It's something that brings you joy. What is the plan for, for the channel going forward and how you, you know, what do you think you're going to do in terms of projects? And have you ever considered even moving back to Europe? Um, I haven't considered moving back to Europe for the time being. The pandemic really scared me. Spain uh, is a socialist country and people uh, obeyed almost like it was uh, a dictator was back. Um, my sister got a phone call saying, come at this day, at this time to get your shot. I mean, people were being told by the government what day and what time and where to go get your shot. That scares the hell out of me. Like, what? What? Do you, what? Like, if the government called me and told me where, where, and when to go, I'd be like, "Where am I?" What? That scared the yeah, hell out of me. <laughs> and I just thought, I never want to live there. I I never want to live in a place where, uh, the the state has so much control. The taxes are through the roof. Mm. Um. People, minimum wage is very low. You say it's better than Portugal, but not that much more. The unemployment rate is crazy in Spain. Um, and the mentality, it's different there. That's one of the reasons I love the United States. It's um, it's a place where you can be different, at least when I first moved here. I don't know mm -hmm. if things, things are changing, obviously, worldwide, but uh, no, I could never live in Spain again, unless I was there to visit, which I do every year. And maybe I was there to, you know, in future, maybe have a part-time place there or something. But I don't really miss it that much, to be honest, because California reminds me a lot of Spain. Yeah. And I miss my family, but I've been away since I was 17. So it's not like I'm, I've grown up. My family is my family. It's not my parents so much or... So I'm very detached in that way, which is not necessarily a good thing. But no, I don't want to live in Spain. Uh, yeah, that that was made clear to me during the, the pandemic. Um, it's uh, yeah, no. <laughs> and. Um, and my plans for the future, I am working on my YouTube channel. Yes. And it's I love it. And I do a video a week. And uh, like I said before, I try to be very real. I try to know I am very real. And I just share my journey as it happens, when it happens. 
And um, I'm planning on doing more short content because people seem to really like it and maybe more recipes, maybe more fun stuff like that. But I do love my longer content because that's when you really get to actually say what you want to say. Yeah. And my group, I continue, I'm going to grow it a little bit more. It's not going to be a mega group because then you kind of lose, lose control a little bit. You can't really connect with people. Um, but yeah, I'm going to grow my group a little bit more. And then possibly I'm going to do some programs where I offer, I offer like a two week raw food program or maybe retreats or, um, I don't know, like there's a lot of exciting opportunities ahead. So I'm going to explore any and all. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you for yeah. sharing. That's great. I, I'm really happy that we chatted and I'm really happy you made the time and such a pleasure. I really love your energy and I love the way that you are, you know, working on progressing and moving and changing. And I will, I will listen to your channel going forward anyway, because I, I feel that especially through your experience and learning how your body's changing, hormones are changing. A lot of women actually need support um, for hormones, wellness, because especially in the raw community, because it's true that we don't talk about it enough. And the only people that talk about hormones uh, and hormone balance through peri and menopause, they, they always push this very high protein from animal products diet and removal of carbs and, Although I understand some starches might not work, like I had to really remove the many starches, like rice it just doesn't agree with me anymore. I have it sometimes if I have sushi out and vegan sushi, um, but I can't have it like I used to have it. So I understand those little things, the little tweaks, but I don't believe that we should be, you know, on like a carnivore diet um, for our hormones. So it's nice to have a guide. And yeah, if you create more content about it, I'm sure we'll even create a community of women that actually come together and want to learn more about it because it's so necessary. Yeah, I agree. Uh, my my niche really is women over 40. That's yeah. where I find the most the most help is needed and the most guidance because there's not a lot of uh, some raw vegan influencers are I just I don't know like I think something's not exactly right. Um I don't know. So yeah, I'm I'm looking to connect more with women over 40 and finding our way raw, based in raw veganism, based in the wholeness of the fruits and the vegetables, but like what how else can we tweak it to make more sense to each individual? Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, yeah you're well, welcome. Pleasure to talk to you and hopefully you'll be back on the channel soon and I really hope well, I'll, I'll be watching so we'll definitely talk more. <laughs> Okay, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank My you. My pleasure. Bye. Yeah, bye-bye. Thank you so much, Eva, and thank you everyone for staying on for this episode. I hope you loved it and got a lot out of it. If you want to work with Eva, learn more about raw food, her journey, if you want to also transform your health, check the show notes for all the links to Eva's work. And you can work with her in her group coaching. She also has one-to-one packages and you can truly get the support you need for where you're at and your needs. Okay, guys, as always, if you like this episode, please do share it and make sure that you comment and tell us how we did and rate us on the platform you're listening on. And yeah, that way we can grow and I'll see you next week. Bye.